Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Jewish Divorce Project. I'm your host, Noam Rauscher. And I'm your host, Liron Tal. Join us as we kvetch and kvel about Judaism and divorce. From our perspective as two Jewish professionals and two divorce coaches. And two Jewish parents with lots of experience and plenty of opinions. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jewish Divorce Project. I'm Noam Rauscher. I'm Liron. I'm beginning to think that an introduction also needs to include something like, and lots of headaches. <laughs> Depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> and plenty of pains in the ass. Yeah. How you been? Good. It's been a while. No. Nice yeah. morning break there. Nice to be back. Yep. Um, yeah. I'm like, where, where, where have we been? What have we been doing? So much. A lot's gone on. Well, I'm, I'm fucking tired. <laughs> Let me just I say know. that. Let me be blatantly honest with you. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I've been hustling, working. I got to go to a really nice bar mitzvah over the oh, break. Oh, yeah. Very nice. <laughs> the day finally arrived. Oh, yeah. I'd love to hear. I'd love to expound <laughs> on that, maybe. Yeah. Mazel tov. Uh, thank you. Let me just say, even before I get to it, it was a wonderful weekend, but 2024 is kicking my ass already. Oh, no. <laughs> like, it is just nasty um, in good, in, in, in actually lots of good ways. Um, but just, you know, there's stuff going on, which we're going to talk about later when we talk about shit you have to do alone. Mm-hmm. in divorce land uh yeah uh had the bar mitzvah and it's been a long time coming talked about in conversation here at several different you know points with different experts on things or different topics and it finally came and the and those last couple of days leading up to it like you and i were texting and even it was like i think a week and a half to two weeks leading up to it i was saying things like my brain is on bar mitzvah mode mm-hmm. i've got like we're bar mitzvah brain and it's just mush and mm-hmm. i couldn't like Think of anything else. Did I cover that detail? Did I talk to that person? Will I have enough money for this detail? Is Judah ready? Did I do the right thing with suits? Will there be enough food? Did we schedule things outright? Will my parents get into town okay? Will my siblings get into town okay? Who has a ride from the airport? Will they have food waiting for them? I need to make gift bags for their arrival. And what goes in those gift bags? And how much money do I spend? And, and you can clearly see that like the list is just endless in terms of what went on. Um, And it's like a whole, like this was, it it was as much a rite of passage for me as it was for my kid. Yeah, well. it really was. Talk about doing things alone. Everything you just mentioned, it's so much easier if you have an adult with you in the house going through this, supporting you, bouncing ideas off of. So although you're planning it with your co-parent, you still are alone in many of it, a lot of it. So Yeah. yeah, that part's really Challenging. And then you have to, if you have to think carefully about the conversations that you do have with your co-parent, that's just like a whole other thing mm-hmm. that I, I wonder if married couples take for granted. Like you could bring up something about the bar mitzvah and relatively expect your partner to kind of be there for you in the process, but that's kind of up for grabs with divorce. Yeah. And there's that extra layer of planning of like dividing roles. That takes time too and energy. <sighs> and you I, did it. I think my ex and I actually handled things really nicely, particularly in those last two weeks. You know, um, a couple of months leading up to it, a month leading up to it, we had um, Tamar, mm-hmm. um, uh, oh my God, Tamar Burris, Burris, Tamar Burris on, and uh, she instructed me to write an email, mm-hmm. and I did that, and I think that was very well received because my ex sent one in like and kind back to me, um, and then leading up to it, you know, she and I were having almost regular conversations either over text or over phone or in person if we had the opportunity just to kind of touch base on things. Uh, and then even like within 48 hours of it, we were still talking about things we didn't even like, like guest lists are one thing and food is another thing. Um, but then there's like this whole component of 
well, we're all going to be sitting together in the sanctuary. So how do we set that up? Right? He sits where? So that Who's in the moment, it's not uncomfortable. You have to plan. That's what I'm saying. It takes a whole nother level of planning in addition to the usual party planning and getting ready for and, the service. And not only just for us so we know, but like also for family because yeah. they're coming in. They're like, what do we do? Like, do you want us all to sit together? Should we all sit together? Right. What does that look like? Give us some guidance here. And you just don't necessarily think of all those things. Right? Yeah. Managing the family's anxiety. I remember, you know, this was for our families. Oh, my God. The first time in five years they'd seen each other. And I was hearing from them, like, they were nervous. And how do we act? And I would hear things like, oh, well, I hope she doesn't do that. And I I had to literally tell my my family, like, guys, like, right. you just come right. with good energy. I cannot right. be responsible for right. also managing your anxiety when right. I have my own right. and I'm dealing with the kids. Like, you guys right. need to all just figure it out. Right. That's I made exactly it easy. Right. I gave them, I told them where to sit. All those things are important. Nice. You set them up for success. But at right. the end of the day, it's like, I can't manage everyone's anxiety. That's exactly right. And I, but it, it, to that end, I also didn't want to create an environment. And I don't think my ex did either. We were both working together and on the same page about this. We knew that it was going to be awkward enough as it was. And it was awkward at certain points. I'm not going to lie about that. But at the same point, it wasn't ominous. I don't even think that's a word. There wasn't any like hate going animosity, on. Animosity, yeah. Right? There wasn't any animosity or anything like that. There was divorce. That was clear. But like, it, that's just part of what it is. Uh, and instead, people were very friendly and talking to one another. And so that was really nice to know. But it was important, I think, for my ex and I to set that tone between us so that we could say to them that things are good between us, mm -hmm. right? That we were really working together and having these conversations. And so... That became really important. Well, everyone in the family and the kids and the clergy, everyone's going to feed off of your energy. Right. So if the two of you were showing that you were okay and you were collaborating, working together, that energy just spilled out. And I, as somebody sitting there right. in the audience, you know, sitting there watching and everything, um, I even thought it was lovely that you guys did your speech together. I was really impressed that you kind of went back and forth and did did a piece of it together. That was really nice. And that was really united. And I, I could tell Judah really appreciated that. Right. We spoke to basically what our energy was to be able to do at that moment, yeah. what we were able to do in that moment. That so, nice. so my ex contributed her best and I contributed my best. And that's really just what it was. Mm -hmm. And it and it just needed to be that moment where our son could see us do that. Right? I can and say it didn't do that feel, together. It didn't feel from somebody sitting in the audience like this was a divorced family. I appreciate that. Thank you, you know, very much. Even though I know what's going on, it didn't feel that way. And I don't necessarily care if people know that either, but my yeah. point is to say that like I wouldn't want them making any assumptions because I think there are assumptions and I think I'm afraid of people's assumptions in that way mm -hmm. about it. And I shouldn't be, right? That's yeah. my own, yeah. you know, I, I got to work on that. But my point is to say, I, I wanted it, but I, I wanted it much more for my kids. Yeah. And I wanted it for everyone involved that it could be, and particularly for my son, for his bar mitzvah to be a celebratory one where the whole family came together. And I know my ex wanted that as well. Yeah. Right. So you did a great job there. And, and it was a win. It really was. It was a win um, and uh, for everyone, I think. And my son had a great time. He had smiles. The pictures are fantastic. He looked amazing in his yeah, suit. Yeah, he crazy. did. It was crazy to see them in their suits. Like that is a, uh, it's like they all look like little bankers and lawyers. Yeah, yeah. It, it was definitely power, powerful uh, men in there. My youngest <laughs> likes to slick back his hair now, right? And so literally, literally he's there with the hair stuff and the comb in the mirror pushing it back. Everyone and to see handsome. him in a suit, he was like, total like banker wolf of wall street i was like oh my god i'm not ready for this 
I'm really not. Right. But it was so, uh, it really was so wonderful. Um, and yet, like, if the synagogue asked me, they said, like, can you give us some feedback about the experience, right? I'd have the feedback about, you know, um, just generally what it's like going through a bar mitzvah because it's nerve-wracking. And I don't think anyone checked in with us to really see how we were doing, like from the synagogue. Mm. And I'm not saying that like they're assholes or anything about that. I'm not naming the synagogue or anything, but my point is to say that like um, maybe they were just really busy. I think everyone was really busy, but like this is a first time thing. And like for someone to check in and be like, how do you feel about all this? Your child's getting older, right? There's a lot going on. And then maybe also for one of them to say like, we know you're divorced. Is there yeah. anything we need to know? Well, you and I have had this conversation when I was on as a guest because uh, I was at the time point. working as an event coordinator at a synagogue. And I was personally very sensitive to divorced families. But right. I think that that is something that a lot of synagogues need to up their game on. We've we've talked about this Um you know, if you run a synagogue and you'd like some consultation on that, right. you know, we're here for you. <laughs> right. But honestly, it's it's an area that needs definitely needs some support. And in general, how synagogues treat divorced families, there's a lot more that could be done. I don't but, think but they, the bar mitzvah yeah. specifically is a big one. When you think about all the details that go into it, right, and just all the conversations that need to be had and. I'd venture to say that probably most synagogue employees are married, so they're not thinking about those dynamics of the conversations. And I'm willing to bet a lot of the people who are handling the making sure details get covered and stuff is taken care of for the bar mitzvah are the moms, right, mm -hmm. and not the dads. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that's just kind of part and parcel of just the natural kind of heteronormative conversation that exists within synagogue life. Well, in my experience, the families that were married yeah, it was the mom that I was dealing with. But it, the divorced families, the fathers were very much equally involved. Oh, really? More so because they were... They were really... They were really looking at it in a way of like... I mean, I remember, for instance, in our situation... It's actually really good I planned know. our wedding. He didn't know where... He didn't really pay right. much attention right. to what we spent money on. I but when it came, that, to, the bar mitzvah, when he came right. to the bar mitzvah, he wanted to know every single thing. Really? And it's hard for me because I'm like, you didn't care last time we did right. a big thing, but it's different right. now. Um, but this is also kind of what you want, right? I'm sure there's some frustration yeah. with, you know, if only it happened in the context of marriage, right? Yeah, like yeah, if only yeah. you had been together long enough for him to be like, oh yeah, now I give a shit about these details. Yeah, yeah. Right? But they it, it give a shit when you, listen, a lot of times, and I, I don't mean to be stereotypical in this sense, but a lot of, a lot of women I know feel this way of like, you weren't, that maybe the father didn't really act as much of a co-parent when right, they were married, right. but they're a co-parent now. Yeah, right. Um, we've talked about this and yeah. how much responsibility do you take for them and what's the yeah. learning curve with something like that. Yep. So for some men, becoming a single father makes them a more involved hands-on dad, hands-on father. As it should. Than they were before. Right? As it should. Yeah. So that's a benefit for the children right there. That's exactly right. <laughs> and then you have to adjust to it as the co-parent. And the women have to let go. And then Sorry about that. So yeah, it was just, um, it was a whirlwind, really a whirlwind. And I'm thinking about rituals that we should have for parents more so than the, you know, the, um, oh man, everything's slipping my mind out. That's how tired I am. Uh, um, oh, Baruch Shepatrani, the, the blessing about relieving uh, yourself from the responsibility of raising the child in certain ways. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't say that. I thought we were going to, but that's kind of part and parcel of the experience, I think, inherently. Um, but I think there needs to be more for parents going through this too, just in the sense of how do you really step back in that way? And mm -hmm. what ways do you still need to stay involved? And 
uh, just how do you make all that work? So I, I'm fascinated by it uh, and like I'm overwhelmed by it and I, I probably won't be able to really fully articulate stuff until a couple months from now. But You should uh, though feel very good and thank accomplished you. that you, you survived and went through this oh my hurdle. God. And I know, Ugh. you know, it's it gives you this feeling a little bit of like, if we can do this, we can do a lot. Together. That's exactly and right. I know that's how I felt. I mean, for us, the bar mitzvah shifted our relationship in a really good way. That's exactly what I said. And right. so right. you should celebrate that. I really appreciate that. And thank you very when you're, much. When for you're coming. not as tired, after you've had some rest, we can celebrate that. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming. It meant a lot to have you there. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, of course. How was your winter break? What's been going on with you? Um, a lot. I've been really trying to take advantage. I had the kids. We this was the first year that um I had them for one week and he had them for a full week of the oh, break. Wow. So that was a long time um not having the kids and I really used it for some self-care. I took care of myself. I did a lot of, you know, work on my business, for my coaching business and for my the solo moms community I'm building. Um so that was great. Nice. Um, yeah, you guys are meeting in coffee shops and things like that. I keep seeing the pictures online, all these women getting together. Yeah, we did a really awesome holiday party, oh. which was really fun. Um, this was after the Hanukkah party? No, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we did a holiday party for the solo moms, and that was great. Um, I got some places to offer, like, really cool um, auction. Like, we did a raffle, one woman won Pilates, and, like, all these cool things. Oh, wow. Um, I do my monthly coffee talks. Um, we're going to be doing a little Galentine's Day event um, at a local store. Um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of still looking and partnering and doing a couple different things um, and really trying to do more in person. That's what everybody seems to want. Have you been able to do the thing with Alexis yet? Uh, not yet. Not yet. Gotcha. Was it Alexis that I'm thinking of? No, not no, Alexis. Kate. Kate, that's right. Yeah, we had that event booked and um, we didn't get a good turnout. So oh, we decided to, to hold off on that because I okay. think it was Martin Luther King weekend and it just wasn't good planning. But um, yeah. but uh, we'll definitely do something It'll happen again. next time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then I've been picking up some work, you know, as single moms, got yeah. a side hustle and get what you can. Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually started working for um, really awesome organization I'm excited about. It's the She Ready Foundation. What's the She Ready Foundation? It's uh, Tiffany Haddish's uh -huh. foundation, nonprofit that um, supports uh, youth in the foster system. Very cool. So there's okay. a lot of cool programming there, and I'm brought on to do their, um, to produce the big gala, the big fundraiser. Ah. It's a prom, okay. and celebrity guests, and red carpet, and the whole shebang, and I'm really excited. So this past weekend, I got to go work... Um, we got to go to her show and then have, uh, we were selling merchandise. So mm -hmm. all of her merchandise, all the money that she brings in from merchandise, from book sales, from everything, all goes to her foundation. Mm -hmm. So I got to do that. And then we had a board retreat. And so it's, it's great. It was really Mazel fun. I'm exhausted, but it was really great. And um, you're exhausted in the good way because you're just you're, doing it all. <laughs> you got everything going on. That's yeah, wonderful. it's just taking a lot of like intense. And of course, the kids like sports is just, all the sports are happening right now. Right. And my kids have an agent and they're, they've been getting auditions. And I, so Whoa. it's just massive planning. I feel like oh my gosh, it's just taking from the moment I wake up till the moment I go to bed. I'm just busy, 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 but it's good. I do better when I'm busy. Well, but you're just like on top of stuff. You're really making stuff happen. You've been taking the steps and this is the fruits of your labor are paying off. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah thank you. And good I decided this is the year. This is the year I'm going to have that abundance. I'm going to really only take on things that I feel good about. And um, where I can really, you know, spread my wings. I'm really excited that I get to, it, it's different. You know, I worked at a synagogue and there's a lot of, 
rules and politics and people involved and, you and know, micromanaging not. and all those kind of things. Yeah. And yeah. I'm given, given a lot of freedom now, which is great. That's really so. wonderful. That's like, that's what I, it's gotta be like a dream, yeah. right? Just yeah. For, you know, not someone standing over your shoulder the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I, I mean, we're needing to worry about the menu so much. Yep. 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 So times for things. Yeah. So they're just kind of like, <laughs> go with it. I got, got to know the board. Everyone's like, go for it. We're good. Hey, that's wonderful. Mazel tov. Yeah. So I'm just busy. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Are you too busy to take us to commercial break? Absolutely not. <laughs> All right. We'll see you after the break. The law offices of Alexis M. Langer provide estate planning services, helping California families, business owners, and individuals build a plan that protects them today and preserves their legacy for generations to come. For more information, visit www.alexislangerlaw.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jewish Divorce Project. I hope you enjoyed the first part of our conversation before that lovely commercial break. Um, Leron and I wanted to talk about uh, particularly one of the hard things that happens in divorce life and in divorce land that is, you know, doing shit by yourself. Yep. There's a lot of it. Yep. <laughs> like how you just kind of accept it. And, yeah, it's just kind of part of what it is. Yeah. It's a grind out there. Yeah. Yeah. What are some things that you have to end up doing by yourself or that you've had to do by yourself? Well, I remember... I mean, first off the bat, I was, and I, I've mentioned this when we've talked in the past with, with uh, Shinny in real estate about how I had to move so last minute and just was not prepared for that. And um, my ex didn't want to help me, even though it was the house, it was all our stuff, you yeah. know, I had to just yeah. figure it out. And so packing and running a garage sale and all of those things. I think I told you he showed up to the garage sale to pick up the kids at one point. I tried to sell him his own clothes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like would you like a jacket <laughs> How, are you overcharging him yeah so like i didn't pay that I much for like, it when it was new it, so <laughs> um but that was a lot and i remember i sold all of their baby stuff because it was kind of this like even if i were to have more kids i want new experiences and that was really emotional and just going through that alone was yeah. a lot yeah um, so, and then moving and I remember when we found our place and going around and looking for places, all that stuff alone is just, you don't have that adult to bounce the ideas off of, even though I have like amazing friends and supportive parents, it's always like ultimately your decision. That's what everyone says. And sometimes you're just like, I just want someone to help me make this decision. The emotional um, labor of it is really draining. Yeah. And that kind of sucks worse than everything else. Yeah. Cause it's like, also, it's not just that you can't bounce it off someone else, you also can't pass it off to someone else and rely say, on I, anyone. I, I, well, yeah. or, or be able to say, I, I'm not handling this one. I handled the last one. I need you to handle this one so I can take a break. Yeah. Right? Or knowing your strengths and weaknesses right. and you're kind of like, oh, should I have to I have do to the do things that anyway. could have? Yeah. Right. right. Which could be an advantage, right? I mean, I think that's part of, ultimately, like, if we're going to fast forward to the end, right, or just say, like, what the ultimate lesson is of all this, and there's a lot to have a still a conversation in between. But the ultimate lesson is like it's a growing experience. Oh yeah, right. I mean, it really like you can either say I don't know how to handle that stuff because it's not my strength, and fail at it time and time again, or you could figure out a way to solve it, and that may mean that you shop it out to someone else. But at least you've solved the problem. Yeah, right? I, I think for women too, something I went through is like my my ex husband was handy, right? So right. there were right. a lot of things he did around the house and fixed, and I, I'll never forget like right when we moved couple it was like very new into the into the divorce um 
the dresser, you know, those Ikea dressers, how the bottom can kind of fall. Oh, off I sometimes. hate them. That happens to me every single time. So annoying. If right? it doesn't break in putting it together because it's all cheap balsa wood now, <laughs> right? If you don't get it exactly right, you can't get the piece out and then you're screwed forever. Or you shove too much shit in there and then the bottom falls out and then that's. So that's I remember what she we said. went to. <laughs> but okay. Sorry. Had to. That's okay. My kids are all into the. That's My what she kids said are doing exactly too. the same the thing. It's all penis jokes, and that's what she said. Yeah, like that's the only thing that happens, yeah. even after a bar mitzvah. That's it. <laughs> so I remember the moment when we pulled out the drawer, and Micah was like, "Oh no, what are we gonna do?" Like he freaked out, and it was like Abba's not here to fix it. And in that moment, I also was like, oh, I wanted to just fall apart because it was like, what you know, it was after like one of those days of like everything went wrong or whatever it was. It was just like the grand finale of the frustrations. And in that moment, when I saw him get so like feeling like, oh no, we don't have him here to fix it. It, ins it just totally empowered me to be like, you know what? Grab the drill. You and I are going to do this together. Mm. Let's, let's figure it out. Mm. And then it just became such an awesome moment of my kids being able to see mom can do things, women can do things. There's that piece of it that's really empowering, but also mm. just including him in it. Mm -hmm. Being like, it just started this trend of like, we're a team, we do things together. Um, I've definitely used that to my advantage. And that's what really, that, those are the moments that you don't feel alone. But yeah, when it happens and you're like, oh, I don't know, I have to do this. I mean, I sometimes. I get really pissed in those moments. I realize it. I may have spoken about it before, but in therapy, I discovered my bar, my, I almost said bar mitzvah, but <laughs> my Bermuda Triangle of Emotions, which is abandoned, burdened, and confused. And if I find myself like in those three emotions at the same time, I'm likely to get really upset and angry. Mm, say those three emotions again. Abandoned, burdened, and confused, right? And so divorce automatically feels like an abandonment at times, mm -hmm. right? And like I get upset when I'm doing things alone and I feel like it's, it's a lot to deal with. Like not only like the emotional element of it and the energy of just making the decisions or accepting the responsibility for it and then giving myself the willpower to do it, but then the physical act of actually doing it as well, yeah. right, becomes really tiresome too. Um, and then that becomes really frustrated and I can't, and, 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 like having the literal physical strength to be able to do it. Uh, and thank God for antidepressants because like that's my backup picture right there. Like I don't go, I, I, they've helped me out so much mm -hmm. and I can't thank my therapist and my psychiatrist enough for like getting me on that track. Uh, it's been wonderful. Um, but like, I t like that's what it is for me. It's all it's like the actual doing things and not that I mind doing things. I love doing things. Right. But I do also have that like we all do that threshold. If It's like I need to just fucking sit down. <laughs> like I, I have this image of uh, my mother on Passover and my grandmother, too. They used to spend all day on their feet preparing stuff a couple of days mm -hmm. in a row. And then there'd be times where like they'd find a break between things something would be cooking or whatever it was that they could actually like sit down and pour a glass with ice of diet Coke and sit down on the couch and just kind of sip it in yep. the process. And like, I, I find I need that. Yeah. I need that. Sip you of remember Coke. that? That's a cute memory to remember. Oh my God. I just do. Seeing I, that feels refreshing. Yeah. I have to say there was a moment when we did, when we moved in and I got, and I really like, I wanted to get the house to feel in place as soon as possible. So, I mean, I, within days we were sitting at our table, like having dinner and everything was in place. And, you know, I worked my 
ass off. And I had that moment of sitting there and having that, you know, and chilling. And the kids were like, wow, like, you're like superwoman. Like, they were so impressed. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, it felt so good that they were able to acknowledge that I did all that on my own. And that, that's, you know, that's where, especially having boys, you know, I think it's really important. Um, and then I remember what, there was. That they see you as a woman doing things on your own? Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And I also think. But it's, it's also not like I don't need a man kind of a situation. Well, but it's so interesting too, because I'm trying to give them the life skills that they need to have if they were to live alone, which is essentially to do everything for themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. That's mm-hmm. really what it is, right? You can't, you shouldn't, shouldn't rely on other people to do it for you. You're going to need to do it for yourself, right? So I would think that even as a mom, not wanting to show them that you can't handle it, but also wanting them to have the opportunity to develop those skills, there's got to be a fine balance between all that. Yeah, listen, I've always been very handy and able. I'm, my father's a contractor. Right. Like I was very, when, when, I, when we first met, I was like... I don't need your help. I can open my own door. I can do my this. You know, I was that I was, jar of pickles ain't no problem. That for was me. me, right? But then when you're married, it's like, oh, there's a spider. Can you know? It got very convenient to have someone else take really? care of things, and I didn't. You know, you like this the chivalrous element of it. I, I did, right? And I got used to that, right? And that's what my kids saw in our home, right? There were things that I that he did, and you know, right? Um, so it, it meant a lot, I think, for them to see that I'm okay and I can survive on my own, even though there were times that I was like. Ugh, I wish I had a man to do this shit. Like, I don't want to do this stuff. You it's know? funny because there are times I'm like, do I need to get married or do I really just like need an extra pair of hands around the house? Like, is there another trusted adult that I could live with? I don't need to be romantically involved, but like no. someone who wants to also help take care of the kids. Or right? have enough money to pay someone to do right, these Right, like things. you want to rent out a room, go right ahead. I'll give you a lower rate too if you also help take care of my kids. Like you have to pick them up for school and make dinner for us three days a week. Yeah. Right? Well, that I always say totally logical. I would much rather have another mom living with me than uh, waiting for a partner that may or may not. A divorced family's commune. I can only imagine what that would look like. The divorced kibbutz. The momunes. They're happening in other states. Are they really? Mm-hmm. Momunes? Yep. Are they just single moms all living together? Yeah. I'm actually like, I have a group of moms that are talking about it in our group. It's like, you know, instead one of living- house or one... like a community? Well, there's different ways of doing it, right? I mean, ideal, how awesome would it be to have like a kibbutz, like a big community? But imagine getting like a big six-bedroom house with like three single parents that have kids and wow. you can have a pool and That'd you can a have house. a game room and all of that kind of stuff. And then you help each other. There's people helping with rides and with babysitting and with groceries. And this one does lunches these days. And you help each other raise your kids. You ultimately save money. All it's the a, things you're going in on. It's a brilliant idea. So if I'm still single in a couple of years, let me think about that idea. It's not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. It'd work. <laughs> you have the right people. You know, the kids have to get along. The parents have to, there's a whole thing, but. Are there, are there things that you feel like you don't get to do because you're always doing stuff alone and like, you're just so drained that you've got, you don't have the bandwidth to say, I'm going to try something new or I'm going to break from routine so I'm not going to do X or I'm not going to do Y or I wish I did this, but I don't have the energy for it. I'm probably not the best person to ask that because I seem to have a lot of energy. You do it anyway. And I do a lot. And I'm I'm always out and about. You're and a terrible person. People are always like, how do you do all that? Like I do. I find the energy because I just really have this like, I'll sleep later attitude of like, just enjoy. Enjoy life. Do it really? all. Yeah, I kind of do. Why? And then it catches up with me and I... 
I like experiencing things. I, I... Why? <laughs> what happens to you when it catches up? I need to take a couple of days to just like chill and That's sleep. When you go and... on a total bender, yeah. <laughs> wake up somewhere chill. you don't recognize, like oh, take a minute. Jeez, I shouldn't have taken on that extra project. No, I feel like I... it's cooking. Like I, I, I want to like learn how to make new dishes and stuff, and yet, like my energy level towards it is no. You know what? I agree. I'm more like I'm not cooking as much as I'd like to. I'm doing a lot of like the throwing stuff together from Trader Joe's or, you know. Easy food, but yeah, there's things I would like to be better at, obviously. I like I like the fact that you go camping so often. I wish I went camping um, with not only that type of energy, but also that type of ease. And I think that's, I, I'm willing to bet that's what probably makes it so possible for you is that it's relatively easy to do. So you have the equipment so kind of readily available that you just hook it up and go. Yeah, and that's kind of the only kind of trip I can do. I can't really you know, afford to do big hotels or fly anywhere. Camping is so easy and the kids are just happy. Even if we literally go and sit by the beach yeah. for a day with the, yeah. you know, and, and be outside. But and, the weather is so conducive to it. Yeah. You know, 75% of the time. And you know what? That's when we really More bond. so even if you don't, you don't care. That's how I grew up. My dad worked. He's a contractor. He worked day, night, all the time. But when we would go away, you know, back then he also didn't have a cell phone. So he wasn't just, he wasn't working. He was... My memories of spending time as a family are really on our camping trips because without the distraction, you know. That's really nice. So I think it's important to oh God, take those I moments. Get them away from the technology. That's the other thing is that I feel like I give them so much technology time because I don't have the energy to do other things. I know. That's you know? the constant. And like the break time in between, while I love it, even though it's a five day swing at times, it's almost not enough. And you know, then they can come back and it's about getting back into the routine again. And like, then comes more tech time. And I'm always fighting that. I know. And like, everyone says, like, forgive yourself. It's okay. They'll be fine. And like, I'm not buying that stuff anymore. I've been really trying to get a little more strict with it at night because I'm really seeing it affecting like, it, they're not going to, it's hard to go to sleep. And I, I mean, how can you go from playing a video game and being in this intense world and shutting it off and going to sleep? So I really, I tell them ahead of time now, like, okay, at this point, devices are done. And I give them, like, a time that it's done. And so they they have to manage it and utilize their time. Yeah, and I got to say, this is why I think parallel parenting sucks. Oh, because the right. rules are different. And I get it. Like, she, My ex is entitled to parent whatever way she wants. No judgment. Yeah. I don't want anyone judging me either. But my point is to say, like, I, I, like, I wish it was just easier. I wish you could just, like, find some way to agree. Well, but you know what, though? The kids know that there's different rules and different ways of living in each home. I know. I and know. they don't. And, you know, I think it's okay. I, I know that he, the way that their routine at their dad's house is not the same as mine. You know, what was really hard is that he had them the week leading up to school from winter break. And I was like, oh, damn. Like, be they've been going to sleep late every night. They're, like, jet lagged. I, do, I normally, like, make sure that the days leading up, we start to go to sleep earlier. I knew they weren't going to do that there. And they were wrecks when I picked him up from school on Monday. But ugh, it is what it is. I mean, but can I, he's the one who had to deal with exhausted children. Um, yeah. So we, yeah, it took me a while to get here, but I'm finally at a point where I'm just like. When I'm upset about parallel parenting, that's my exhaustion coming through. That's what it is. And it's me not also wanting to the responsibility of always telling my kids to stop watching TV. Well, all just, you can you do know, is like manage how you are when they're with you. I know that. 
I yeah. realize that I'm just saying that like it's again, this is one of the elements of yeah. doing it alone. Yep. Right. Is that you're the enforcer all the time about it or not. Well, you know what's interesting? Doing it alone, you know, you have to be both. And that's really hard. You can't be I, I mean, you could say your mom and dad. It's not even that. You're the disciplinarian and you're the fun parent. And that's confusing for the kids. They just, you know. You have to be both. I had to put my dog down this past weekend. She was so old. Lucy uh, was the best dog. My first dog had her through everything, right? Had her through marriage and becoming a rabbi and becoming a father and traveling across the country and divorce and everything. And she never left my side. She was just old and weak. And, you know, we had to put her down, but we did so with chocolate and beef on her lips. And she just, you know, I, I believe it was very peaceful and also was very painful. Right. For all three of us. Um, and, you know, I, I invited my ex over. I said, come on over. She had expressed in the past that she wanted to be there. So I said, let's make it happen. Um, and, you know, we were all able to be there. Uh, and, you know, it, it was really tough on my kids. But like having to arrange it and accept the responsibility was all on me. Yeah. Uh, and that was really tough, really tough, because in that moment, I also had to care for myself. Right. And then also like worry about the kids. Because I had planned it once and I couldn't go through it because I was so enraged by everything. This time it was much easier and I accepted the responsibility and the reality of it all. Mm -hmm. um, but like it, it was really tough going through it all. And the funny part about it is after it was all done, drove her to the Humane Society for Cremation. Like my back just like it was in the worst pain ever. Mm. And it was temporary though. And I think my muscles were actually like relieving themselves. Like they had been so kind of like clenched leading mm -hmm. up to that moment. And I, I just, we don't realize those things because it's just, this is the so everyday life of divorce, right? You're doing things alone in the mm -hmm. process of that. And you may not even realize how much you're taking on and how much your body is tensing up as a result of it. Because then I just felt my body like give out afterwards. Uh, and so it, it, it's, it's a tough thing to do. But it does help you ultimately develop those skills like we were talking about, improve on weaknesses. I can totally relate. Not only that, uh, you know, my dog was also Lucy. <laughs> and just, yeah, that's, it feels like an end of an era because it's, because it's, um, you know, you, because you had this dog before the kids, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a really, and be, and the fact that, that, that she was there with you through all of these life changes, really the only one that was there through all of it. That's my point. Yeah. That right. was really hard. But, you know, I have Not my new. more alone in the process. Jeez. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it does. It feels lonely. I have to say, though, I have my new puppy, Figgy, my new baby. And it's been. That's a fun dog. So fun. Really fun dog. Yeah. And she's given me so much love and it's been great. So. Oh, man. But it should also, this whole process of being alone should also, I think, inspire you not only to improve on weaknesses, but mm -hmm. to develop strengths that you didn't know of before. Well, I right. realized how much I don't like being alone and don't really know how to be alone. Right. When Lucy died, it was crazy. I was like, I really felt alone for the first time. And it took me That's a year to, to get a new dog. Um, really? Yeah. And I kind of wanted to sit in that. And I do feel like I've grown and that I do know how to be alone now. Um, I also kind of started then enjoying not having anyone or anything to take care of when I didn't have the kids. So. That's kind of why it took me this long. <laughs> For as much as I miss her and I miss her terribly, it's actually to my advantage that I don't have a dog because I also have to find a new place to live. So mm -hmm. my landlord has, you know, asked me to leave. So, um, you know, having to do that also alone, finding the new place and then orchestrating the move and worrying about what's going to happen with the kids. 
that's enough. But like, if I had a dog, that would also limit my prospects tremendously. Totally. So in some ways I've freed myself up that, you know, I don't have to worry and care for Lucy anymore now, which is actually really good. I can have some of that emotional energy back. Yeah. Um, that's a real bandwidth thing that I didn't realize that I was, I was giving so much energy to. You should get like a lizard or a fish or something. Some other pet. No, but that's just <laughs> it. Is that like I, part of the exhaustion? Nice I've not. Well, but I got to be honest that like, yeah, I do want a pet because I like caring for it, but it would have to be another dog or something like that or a cat. My point is to say, though, that um, I've been really exhausted because of all the caretaking I've been doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure that's true for everyone in divorce. Like you're the sole caretaker and you have to take care of yourself, too. And part of what's been frustrating about the loneliness that I've experienced recently is that there's nobody take caring, taking care of me. Yeah. Right. That's a very simple thing that I want. Right. Mm -hmm. So you go for a massage and like that's one way of handling it. But it also isn't complete. It's not really what you want. Um, so it's uh, that's, I think, another thing that's frustrating about it. Um, and, 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 but again, like going back to developing the skills you need to like thrive during that time. And then also, I think figuring out how you can reach out to people. Because if you're wise about it, you realize that like you don't have to do it all alone. You talked about having a mommy group, right? There should yeah. be dad groups out there for guys to turn to or other organizations, but even just a social network. People shouldn't be afraid to reach out to their friends and ask for some help. 100%. I think there's still, I think there's a big thing of like, you want to feel like you could do it on your own. You want to show that you're okay. But, you know, being vulnerable and admitting that you need help is so important. I, I Honestly, I think that for me, for so long, I didn't feel alone. I was like, I would fill my time. So I never really felt alone. And it also made me not really feel like I was needed a partner mm. or a spouse right. or, or, you know, or anybody. So I wasn't dating in that mind frame of like, but when you learn to be alone and you actually can sit in it and you sometimes enjoy it but then you can sometimes realize when you want like i'll tell you over the break um i think i've told you my parents we have a boat in the marina mm. and i was like i need to change the scenery because i'm now working from home yeah. home all the time yeah, yeah, yeah so i went and just like moved in and lived on the boat for a couple of days during nice. and took my laptop and was working but i have to tell you when i was walking around in the evening and i was watching all these couples holding hands yeah. and yeah. i got really like oh, it would have been really nice if i had someone that could come stay with me right. for the weekend right. or you know, and so I it's I've just recently started realizing that I do want that person for those moments of just like sitting at home and talking about, you know, but I didn't feel it for a long time. I didn't really need that or feel like it was missing for me. That was also tough for me about the bar mitzvah in and of itself, you know, that I didn't have anyone to really hold hands with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what you're saying, nice. how being taken care right. of. Um you know, I do a really good job of, like you said, getting massages, doing the things that make me feel like I'm taken care of. But it's so different it's when different emotionally thing. taken care of right. um, is, yeah. It's a double-edged sword, the loneliness and the, and the being alone, because eventually it leads to isolation or can be leading to isolation, depending on how you handle it. Uh, and if you don't know how deep you've gotten into the isolation, then that's a problem. But there are parts about being alone that are nice oh, that God, make me I not necessarily the idea of living with someone's a little bit I need it. hard to gra I, I, grasp. I, I, I'm I like, it. it'd be nice to have someone sometimes. <laughs> I, I, I need it. I, I realize that about myself. I'm much more introverted than I am extroverted. I get exhausted from these meetings with people and I need time to recharge. And so aloneness really helps. At the same time, I don't want to be completely alone. Like, yeah. I want someone around. 
and being in a room with that other person is helpful. I don't need it all the time, but like that's the double-edged sword of it. It really is, I think, for all of us. But, you know, from my own experience, yeah, I need the space, but I also want someone around. I need a hug. I need a cuddle. Yeah. 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 And and you have to learn how to deal with those things. You really do. You have to learn how to deal with them without losing your shit and by just developing a plan of what works for you and what allows you to get shit done and feel relieved and who you can reach out to, whether it's a therapist or a coach or a mentor of some kind or your community, Mm -hmm. right? That mom group. I'm just always jealous how many text, you know, groups that the women in my life have versus, you know, how many text groups that guys in my life have. Right. I've got my family and I've got my men's group. At all. Men are not as good as reaching out. I mean, I have a friend that's going through a divorce right now and he reached out to me and I was like, I was going to refer him to you for coaching, but he was just kind of even asking for help or talking about it was so hard for him that I was like, we could just grab a drink and I'm basically coaching him. But we're, we're hanging out as friends and he has no single friends to hang out with and he doesn't really know how to reach out to guys. And so he keeps calling me to meet up for a drink. Like he just doesn't know. I don't know. I, I think men are just not as good about it. They're not. Which is why we need so many overt messages about like bromance and guys getting together because it's just not something obviously we learn. Like we have socialization in school, but we're not really instructed about like how to make friends or maintain friendships, particularly when like you move away or grow apart or change mm-hmm. or anything like that. And it just doesn't come natural to us because guys are also not told to have a lot of friendships. Right? It's They're, interesting that it comes a little more natural for women. Well, and I also you guys think are allowed to emotionally married... connect with each other more. Yeah, and I think a lot of couples, the women are kind of in charge of the social calendar. So when you're married, you're used to like... Your friend's just showing up for you. Yeah, like your wife planned you for you and and a friend to get together so she could go do her thing or whatever. And I'd be really curious to know about the depth of those relationships between those husbands, right? It's the core group of friends, the wives, and the husbands are just there, right? So are they just kind of having friendly conversation with one another and don't really know one another? Or are all the members of those couples friends with each other from some other experience? And do they all have deep relationships with one another? I've seen guys who have like deep relationships because maybe they're still high school friends or, you know, old friends like that. But it is, I don't know that, I think women are, I mean, I think women are pretty good at making new friends. Like I I have a lot of friends that I'm close with that are relatively new that I've met either through the kids' school or through. Caitlin Moran talks about this in her book, What About Men? She, you know, observes men talking and how we problem solve, right? When we kind of compare war stories uh, Mm -hmm. as opposed to women who emotionally connect with things. Um, so men often banter with one another, and she says there's an advantage to that than men banter because there's an awkwardness to the conversation, and either you leave in awkward silence or you do something about it, but the bantering helps as opposed to changes anything, and oftentimes you don't have a long time for a long conversation. You're just trying to kill the time, so banter helps, but her whole point is to say that like guys could spend hours together with one another and not really go very deep emotionally with one another. Well, and it's so interesting because I see it with my son, who's 13, right? right? And and he's a very emotional, he's a very sensitive boy. And like they, they you know, they talk to me about everything, right. right? Right. But sometimes he'll he'll talk about a friend. I'll be like, oh, are his parents divorced? And he'll be like, I don't know. What is he like? I mean, I'll ask him questions. Or I remember there was like the first girl he liked. And I'd ask him like, do you know this about, he knew nothing about her. And I was like, why do you like her? Like, what do you know about her? But it was so interesting that like, he didn't even see why it would be important to know those things about someone. And I, I don't know. I think that is because he's a boy. I think it's different. Like girls, when you make a new friend, you ask questions. I don't know. 
I don't know why guys I, just don't. I, I wonder what the standing point is. Like why why a woman's disposition is maybe more naturally to inquire about a person than a guy's isn't. I, I, I'll tell him, like, why don't you ask this, that, like ask questions? And he was like, well, that's weird. Like he thinks it's weird that I'm even, why would I ask that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. That's very interesting. All right, so why don't we uh, wrap up? What, how about some wisdom? What, what nugget of wisdom do you have for the audience when it comes to aloneness and doing stuff alone? I think that looking at it is just, like we said, the opportunity for growth and giving yourself, celebrating your wins. I think even the small ones, you know, figuring out how to build that IKEA furniture on your own or, you know, the things that you have to do on your own that you don't think you were capable of doing um, and being proud of that and looking at it as something to celebrate, like celebrating those little wins, I think are really important. Nice. Um, yeah. Nice. I like that. What about you? What's your wisdom? Uh, I, I would say that, you know, sit in the aloneness, learn to embrace it, figure out what it teaches you about yourself. Mm hmm and use it to develop your weaknesses. Yeah. Uh, don't come to enjoy it too much. Uh, and find people that you can enjoy your alone time with. Find people to be alone together. Ooh. Is that the name of a book? Am I missing some reference there? Maybe, but I like it's it. The five people you meet in heaven. Something like that. I don't know. Okay. Well, friends, if uh, you feel alone at times, don't forget to reach out to us at the Jewish Divorce Project. Uh, you know, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Why don't you share your stories of what you learned about yourself in isolation, in your alone time, doing things alone in divorce, uh, and how you've really built on that. That would be really fascinating. Share that with us on Facebook, in the Facebook group. That would be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, or send us an email. We could talk about it in the next show. That'd That's be right. great. We'd love at to hear. The Jewish Divorce Project at gmail.com. As always, friends, thank you for joining us. Liron, another wonderful conversation. Welcome back uh, to this great season of ours. Yeah, let's have a great season. We got to get that next week. We'll see you guys next time. Peace out. If you're interested in becoming one of our sponsors or have questions and thoughts about the podcast, please email us at the Jewish Divorce Project at gmail.com. And you can always find us on social media at the Jewish Divorce Project on Facebook and Instagram. And if you'd like to work with me, I specialize in divorce coaching for women. I can be found at mydivorceconcierge.com and on Facebook and Instagram at mydivorceconcierge. And if you're interested in working with me for divorce coaching or spiritual coaching, I work with people of all kinds, of all backgrounds as well. My email address is noamrauscher at gmail.com. That's N-O-A-M-R-A-U-C-H-E-R at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram at Noam Rauscher.